Welcome to the Glory Podcast. We're so glad that you're listening. Our mission is to declare God's glory. Please visit glorychurchkc.com to hear all of our other messages. Well, good morning. I'm so excited. How are you guys doing? Good? Good. <laughs> what you say? Blessed, highly favored, amen, amen. Well, yeah, that part. I'm so excited. We've been in this series called Formed, and Pastor Greg was kind of asking us when it all started, what did, we, what did we think the Lord was doing? And he really wanted to go over the book, um, the ending part of Genesis, where it's about Joseph, his story, him getting sold into slavery. That was a long period of his life, like a good majority of his life, him being sold off, all these different things about Joseph. And then he was like, what do y'all think we should call it? And then as a whole, we came up with the name Formed in the Waiting. We came up with like 30 names, but that's where we landed. Some of them were funny. Some of them were great. Some of them were not great. But I feel like we landed on a good one. It's for you, not for us. So I'm glad we did that. So last time we were here, Dalton spoke to us. He did an excellent job. Dalton, our kids and small groups pastor, director, and he spoke on Genesis 41. And this is in the story of Joseph, where Joseph interprets a dream from Pharaoh, right? He gets brought out of jail. He's been in jail for like, I think, 13 years now, something really long. 13 years ago, just for perspective, I was like really young. (laughs) Like, can you look in your mind, like, just like look back and like, look where you were 13 years ago? And then imagine all the time in between you're in prison. That's crazy. I'm just saying. So he goes before Pharaoh, interprets this dream, which is really intense. And he says, my God has given me the answer to this dream. He tells him, basically, you're going to have seven years of plentiful harvest, great things, bountiful That's really all they had is harvest. They didn't have like stocks and bonds, right? So that's really it. Just bountiful land and then seven years of drought. So you need to put someone in power who can truly take care of that. Make sure that you're equipped for that seven years of drought that's coming. And Pharaoh goes, well, young man, that sounds great. How about you? And he's like, wow, this is my moment. And he steps up. I mean, if I was in prison for 13 years, I'd be like, let's go. I'm ready Where do you want me? I would have been just happy to be out of prison. So I would have been like, if you want me to carry your bag, Pharaoh, serve you with food. But he literally, Pharaoh doesn't even say that. He's like, I'm going to put you in power power. Like, I'm number one, you're numero dos, two. And so, just for everyone who doesn't speak Spanish in here, trying to make y'all multilingual, Amen. So today, that's where Dalton kind of took us last time. He talked about the spirit being in you. He used the Gatorade, I think it was Powerade, Gatorade reference, is it in you? And so he really talked about, let me just make sure I get this right here. He said, he really talked about how God guides and develops you in the waiting, the how. But today I want to talk about the why, because I think we missed this part, and if I think we all get the how, right? Like, anybody ever played on a sports team in here? I have. I played basketball for like 12 years. And so I'd understand the how. I knew why I was doing the drills. I knew why I was running suicides. I knew how to do everything. But sometimes I miss the message of why. And when you miss the message of why, you come in grumbling. 
sometimes. You could really miss it with your heart. And so I want to hit why today, and I feel like the Lord wants to talk about the why. So today's message that the Lord gave me is called Grace to Govern. And I'm super stoked about this because if I'm honest, I think sometimes if we took a vote in here, which we won't do today for the sake of time and uh, techno- te- te- technological excuse me, uh, advancements that we don't have, right? I don't have a poll to give you real quick. But a lot of us see ourselves too small and we wake up. Can I get real with you today? Can I get in your business a little bit? We wake up. We didn't get enough sleep the night before. Wrong point number one, right? <laughs> you don't even see yourself good enough to go to bed on time. I'm there. Hello. You wake up, you start hustling, bustling, going, and then someone steps on your toes, it beats you down. And then all of a sudden you're in this low state of mind. You don't even see yourself the way God sees you. Or how about this? Let's go over here. Some of us don't even understand how God sees us, that the position he's put you in at work the family he's put you in, the turmoil, the tumultuous times that you might have gone through, the basic circumstances, he sees you way higher than your bank account right now. And he says, I have grace for you, each and every one of us in here, to govern. Now, I'm going to get into this in more depth, but just really quickly, I want to be very clear. Your grace to govern is going to be very different from my grace to govern. Otherwise, we wouldn't be a body, right? So let's get into this. I can just go off and start preaching on my own message, but I really want to stick to the agenda today. So I want to hit chapter 42 in Genesis. If you got a Bible, bust that thing out. For all y'all with the phones, you can do that too, but it's going to be on the screen. I think it might be reloading or something. Oh, there it is. Okay, perfect. So really quickly, to set the stage, Joseph got sold to Egypt as a slave at the age of 17. And then when he was 30, he was made overseer. That's crazy. Now, we're picking up the story when he's age 39. That's like almost 10 years later. So they've gone through the seven years of plentiful time in Egypt, and now two years have passed, and they're in a drought. And so this is where we're at, okay? So... Verse 6 of chapter 42 in Genesis says, Now Joseph was governor over the land. He was the one who sold to all the people of the land. And Joseph's brothers came and bowed themselves before him with their faces to the ground. Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them. But he treated them like strangers and spoke roughly to them. Where do you come from? He said. They said, from the land of Canaan, to buy food. And Joseph recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. And Joseph remembered the dreams that he had dreamed of them. And he said to them, you are spies. You have come to, the sea, to see excuse me, the nakedness of the land. They said to him, no, my Lord. Your servants have come to buy food. We are all sons of one man. We are honest men. Your servants have never been spies. And that's where we're going to end right there from our reading. I want to start off, man, this is just full of so much. So 
I just encourage you, if you feel stirred after this, go home and read it and let the Lord minister to you. But my first point that I really want to hit us with today is that time and circumstances are what God used to mold Joseph, but grace is what he used to empower him. Now, that might seem like a loaded statement. I'll break it down, okay? Make it ABC for us, okay? Yeah, there it is on the screen. Time and circumstances are what God used to mold Joseph, but grace is what he used to empower him. So I brought balloons, but I totally lost them. I don't know what happened to them. But <laughs> I was going to do like this great metaphor, you know, and be like Bible school teacher, but it didn't happen. So the Lord is just going to be with us in our imaginations. So I had these two balloons, and I wanted us to see that each balloon, when it is under the Lord's headship, that's what Dalton talked about last Sunday, when you are being molded and guided by the Spirit, you listen to the Spirit, the Lord can truly mold you into what you're called to be. When you don't, it could take a long time, longer than you probably want it to. And to be honest, when you do, sometimes it could take a long time, more than you want it to. So uh, just to encourage you. But the Lord is gracious. But I had these two balloons. One was formed in God's process, just like God wanted, to, wanted it to be a normal balloon. And when the Lord graced it, I would be able to blow it up and it would blow up just like we want it to and be truly ready for its calling, right? If I, if I really wanted to go really far with this, I could have got like a helium tank and it could float and everything. It'd be really cool. The other one would have a hole in it because you didn't sit under the molding. And when God's grace, which we'll get into another scripture that really explains grace, his favor would blow into it like the breath of God. It wouldn't be able to inflate and become what it's supposed to be when the Lord called it to stand and be. And I think that's us a lot of times. The Lord really wants to form all of us. And we are being formed right now where you're at, at your job, whether it's crazy in your life right now or you feel the rest of the Lord every day when you wake up. You're being formed. I'm being formed. But there's these moments, and I think there's more than one, in my own opinion, where God's breath hits that formation in you, and that's what I want to call grace. There's different definitions of grace. I mean, the Bible, when it was translated into English, a lot of words lost those multidimensional definitions. But grace, and how I want us to really think about it today, I want to bring up this next scripture, Ephesians 4. This is the kind of grace I want us to be thinking about when I'm talking today. Because Joseph was graced. He was formed for those 13 years, and then came that win, that grace, that favor. So here's really what I'm talking about to give you biblical context. Gabby's not just crazy making things up, all right? So Ephesians 4, 4 through 7, this is actually Paul speaking, New Testament. He's giving us revelation as to how the Lord works. Man, I feel like if a lot of us just got that revelation <laughs> of how God works, you know, it's so funny to me, like, this is a good example. I was in my Jeep the other day, and my dad came to visit, and whenever I change lanes, I just literally just push my signal down, and it's just clicking, and I got to push it up to stop clicking. And he goes, you know there's like a feature on that that you could just push it lightly, and it'll click three times and then turn off? I said, no. He goes, yes. He's a mechanic. Yes. <laughs> I said, is that new? He's like, Gabriella, it's been around for 10 years. <laughs> I said, dang, I don't even know how my car works. I feel like it's the same with us in the Lord. Sometimes we just don't know how he's thinking, how he works. So we miss it. So let's read this. Ephesians 4. This is Paul talking about us 
as a body, us, his people, as a unit. There is one body and one spirit. All right? Just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. Here's where I want to land. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So, let's unlock this. There is grace for me, for each one of you, that is particular to who we are when it comes to how we function, not only on our own, but as a unit. God's plan for this world is for all of us to do our part, to be raised up into manifestors of his presence, which we'll get into. And there's a grace for you. And another word for this word grace right there in verse 7 is favor. There's a favor on your life. So right now, a good way, I'm experiencing favor, and it changes. So there's been favor over me musically in my life. I've had people that have given me huge opportunities. Certain seasons just hit, and then favor was like crazy. Right now, favor is on my life in the area of marketing. Who knew? I could have never predicted that, but the Lord knew. But if I wasn't faithful to go through all those years of random marketing trainings that I was like, what are we doing? I thought I was just a musician, Lord. And when he was ready to breathe and put that favor on my life, I would have missed it. And so I want to encourage us in this. Joseph had favor. Not, I mean, all of us have a certain amount of favor, but there's favors, favors, favor from God for certain seasons, certain moments. He had God's favor throughout prison. He was heard and all of that, but there came a moment where God bestowed more favor. He had been trained. He was already already in prison, a bad circumstance, right? Being molded and interpreting dreams of his fellow prison mates. You know, he probably had a lot of time sitting before the Lord, beholding who he was, becoming more like who he was because he was beholding the Lord and getting to know the Lord. And then a moment came, the moment came from the Lord and the Lord blew into that balloon, aka Joseph, and bestowed favor And all of a sudden, Joseph went from zero to hero. You know what I mean? He went from dude in prison, nobody cared about. The guy who told Pharaoh about Joseph literally said, I forgot about him for like two years. And then all of a sudden, favor was released, and Joseph went from being a prisoner to being number two in line in power. So we often focus so much. This is where I want us to really get from this first point. We focus so much on the time that we're spending in our, our moments. Our, sometimes I call it the wilderness season, that season where you're not where you want to be. We focus on the time spent there. We focus on the circumstance. And if we're honest, a lot of us are so guilty. Me too. Okay, I will be the first one to admit. We speak such ugly things about our destiny, about the situations when we're in them. I'm just going to, that's not even in my notes, but I, man, if church, our words, if we, another thing we don't understand is how powerful our words are. Isaiah says our words are seeds. Every time you let a word go, it plants something. When you say, man, this is just, you know, your family's fighting. I hate being in this family. Gosh, man, they always get on my nerves. He's not going anywhere. She's not doing anything. You're speaking death over your own family. Prophesying. 
death over your own family. Man, if we could get that, just that one concept, we would be gold. That's a whole other story. But we focus so much on the time we're somewhere, the circumstance that we forget that God could change it in a moment like that. If you would only serve the Lord right where you're at. I'm preaching to myself. If you'd only be faithful right where you're at. If you'd only change your attitude. Hmm? Hmm? I feel that too. That's, <laughs> I'm preaching to myself this morning. You only change your attitude right where you're at. There's going to come a moment. The moment is coming. Ready or not, it's coming. But are you ready? And my heart breaks because I see so many of my brothers and sisters, especially musicians that are called to worship the Lord, they have a dream. And they're being molded. And then they don't like the process. So they say, I'm done with this. And their moment comes where the Lord releases favor and grace for them to get to that dream. And they're not even, like the the Lord opens the door. They're not even 100 feet within it. They're not even in the radius of the door being open. And it breaks my heart. We give up so quick. And I just want to, I mean, I know personally, I was a musician at the International House of Prayer down the road here in Kansas City. I came all the way from California. The Lord called me to that. I didn't really know what I was getting into. But when I joined a worship team there, they put me on the back row for like, there's six singers. There's a a row, the first row is three singers. They get to do all the, the main singing. They put me on the back row where I really only sing if the Lord gives me something. And then even sometimes when you do, you know, they look at you like, are you sure? (laughs) And I'm like, I think so. But they put me on the back row for like six months. Guys, I had been on tour. I opened for Snoop Dogg. And the Lord said, you're going to sit on that back row. And I struggled. I'd go home crying. Why am I here, Lord? You brought me from California. I was doing fine. You brought me to Kansas City. They don't even see the gift you put in me. Why am I on this back row? And then one day it hit me. I was like seven months in. And the Lord goes, you know, I could change all that in a moment. But you don't even see that every time you walk into this building, I put you where I want you to be. And you are so caught up with who you think you should be that you're not even doing your job. And I remember one time, the Lord really shook me, and he said, Gabriella, I'm just waiting for you to do what I've called you here to do. And I remember sitting on the, the back row one day, and they had taught me how to sing as a part of this team or whatever, because there's a, like a model that they do. And the Lord was like, you don't even ask me for words. You're, you're the prophetic singer on this team. You're on the back row. That's what they're called, not back row singers. They're called prophetic singers. The rest of the singers are engaged, and they're boom, boom, boom. But the, the last three in the back row, they're waiting for a download. The Lord's like, I keep giving you downloads, but you're not even raising your hand like, hey, I got him. And I remember one day I said, you know what, wherever he puts me, sometimes I wouldn't even be on the team. I'd be doing the lyrics. <laughs> They'd be like, just go do lyrics today, Gabby. And I'm like, again? But the Lord was like, whatever I call you to on this team, I want you to give it 100%. I said, okay. So this one time, I'm telling you, I was in the back row, the, prophet, the prophetic singer section. And I felt like the Lord gave me something. And when you do, you put your Bible in the air like, 
I, I heard from the Lord. <laughs> and I was like, my leader looked at me like, they were in a groove, and he looked at me like, I said, uh-huh. When you get that look, what do you want me to do? Be like, like so excited that you see me? I'm like, what? What do I do? I'm scared, you know? And he looks at me, and he comes on the talk back. He goes, in front of everybody. So now the whole band can hear me. Gabby, do you have something? Yes, I have something. What do you think? I put my Bible in the air. Like, this is not a common gesture. And I said, mm-hmm. And he goes, okay. And then he gets a whole band ready, and I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> but here's the thing. That was such a, an honorary position, but I couldn't even see it right. You know what I mean? The Lord put me in a seat of honor for six months. I couldn't even see it right because I knew where I wanted to be. I knew what the dream was. And then when the Lord breathed on me, it was actually time to go. <laughs> they let me lead a set. And um, if I'm honest, church, they let me lead a set. And it was cool. It was awesome. But I really missed those days of sitting on the back row. I really did. They were sweet, man. The Lord, no pressure. The Lord would just minister to me. And then every now and then he'd be like, hey, could you sing that to the room? And I'd be I really learned to hear him better. And there was no pressure. I just want to give a sweet little word today. You are exactly where you need to be. It is a sweet place. Don't fight to get somewhere else and then realize that you left a sweet season behind and you didn't even enjoy it. I have a lot of seasons of my life like that. They seemed really random. And I look back, I got the dream. You know what I mean? I got to go on the music tour, and I missed this two-year season of teaching at a college where nobody cared about me. <laughs> you know what I mean? And that was so sweet. I was going to the gym, doing random stuff that I really enjoy. And nobody cared about me but the Lord and my family. But, like, don't miss your season. That's, I'm going to leave that there. So I want to give us an equation. If there was an equation to how God works when it comes to this whole calling thing, it would be the following. It would be time plus circumstances, parentheses, those are like together, multiplied by God's grace equals your dreams fulfilled. But I want to bring another angle into this, right? Is it just about you? Sorry, I feel like I'm on like a Maury TV show. Is it just about you? <laughs> but I just... I don't think we also realize, sometimes we don't realize how sweet the season is that we're in. We don't realize the factor about God's favor. He could breathe on what you're doing at any moment, change your whole situation, put you where you need to be. But another point we don't realize is that, let me read it. Our God-given dream and the waiting we do is not just for us, it's for others. It really is. Let me just read that one more time. Our God-given dream and the waiting that we do is not just for us, it's for others. So if we actually go back to the passage, I'm not going to read the whole thing again. Um, but in Genesis 42, you see Joseph going from the waiting to the Lord breathing on him. He's now been in power for nine years. He's in his dream, really is. And um, to the point to where, if you read in here, let's see, where does it say? Uh, 
he realized, it says in here, he realized his dream. He remembered his dream. He was so used to walking in this new state in his dream that he had once longed for for so long. He really stopped thinking about it. He was there. And we're so like that. Can I just be honest? As human beings, our minds are so fickle, right? Like you think you need something and then you get something else and you know, your iPhone breaks and you're so against Android that you get an Android. You don't even remember the iPhone six months later. I have an iPhone, so, and I will never convert, but I just said that to help you all out. Nobody likes the Android really, but Lord help them. We'll pray for you all. (laughs) Oh, now y'all want to talk. What about the Lord? When the Lord is moving, I'm just messing around. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But so he remembered his dream, but he was so focused and I don't think might have saw this. I don't know. I wasn't talking to Joseph back then, but I don't know if he really realized the extent and the power and the magnitude of his dream. Because now he's in his dream. He's literally keeping all of Egypt from starving. He's the one. They come to him. He's the one that put it all in motion. And so, let me just keep going, then I'll, I'll, I'll give you the breakdown. And he's also now in a position to help his family. Isn't that crazy? So I want to encourage you, your dream, my dream, or dreams, plural, is not just for you. Of course, the Lord's going to use you, your vessel. The breath, the favor flows through you, is for you. But he's going to use it as a total of his kingdom for the unsaved world. Joseph is literally, like, not just, like, I gave my life to Christ. Like, that's really cool. We, we choose God. Joseph is in a lineage. God chose him. That's crazy. I mean, God chose us too. Amen. But, like, he really didn't have a choice. Like, this is his lineage. Like, just like I'm black, African-American, I didn't choose that. God gave that to me. I am of that heritage. I don't get to like say, all right, today I'm going to be, you know, I don't get to do that. Joseph didn't get to do that. As Gentiles, right, us who aren't born into that lineage, we could do that. Today, I'm going to choose God. Tomorrow, I don't know. Nope, he didn't get to do that. So Joseph is chosen. He's put in this situation in a secular, secular, these people don't fear God. Pharaoh's not like, oh, let's see what God has to say today. Let me look at this Bible right here. Nope, not at all. (laughs) He was in this super non-godly environment. Imagine that. A lot of us get upset when we're in non-godly environments. Hello, Joseph was right there, y'all, in the middle of it. And his dream that God gave him saved, literally saved, a lot of non-believers. Your dream will do the same, even if you can't see it. All Joseph saw was his brothers bowing before him. He didn't see the fullness. And that's how God is. He won't give you the fullness because then you could build it on your own. He's not going to do that. He needs you to partner with him. And also for the unsaved world and for his family. That's crazy. A lot of us and myself included, family is crazy. I mean, sometimes I'm looking at people like, I don't know how we are from the same mom. You are psychotic. 
And then the next day, they're calling me psychotic. So you know what I mean? It, it goes both ways. And I love my brothers, so it, they, we're good. But there were moments when the Lord was forming me, and I'm looking at these dudes like, you are crazy. And if I wasn't saved, I might throw something at your head right now. But I'm going to walk away. And I'm looking at them like, what is happening? And my parents too. I'm looking at everybody like, and it probably was me. I was probably the problem, let's be honest, <laughs> in these different moments. But my dreams, a lot of them, I didn't realize. I was so focused on me getting what I wanted in my time frame that I didn't realize that a lot of my dreams would heal my family. And sometimes, if I'm real, the Lord will send us away, form us, and bring us back. Isn't that crazy? I, I tell you, when I got done with college, I went on a four-year touring spree. It was amazing, incredible. With Christian bands, we went all over the nation, um, to other nations. It was so dope. I've seen every state except for two, Hawaii and North Dakota. Who goes there? Nobody, right? I had one friend that went there, and I was like, why are you there? Anyways, after I was done, where do you think the Lord sent me? In North Dakota. <laughs> You're fired. <laughs> fired. I'm just kidding. The Lord sent me home. It was the biggest blow to my ego. No kidding. I was living in Boston in college. I was doing my thing. The Lord was forming me. I'm like a city girl now. Not really. And then... I go on this tour. Oh, I've made it as a musician. This is dope. My Instagram looks great. Like, and the Lord's like, all right, you're done. Go home. I said, oh, surely this is not the Lord. <laughs> like, no, please. Like begging, no. There's I go. And he sent me home for two years. Ah, uh, the fights. Ah, uh, living at your parents' house again. The fact that my door didn't lock. The dogs would just run in and the door would slam against the, the wall at 6 a.m. I had no control. I'm in this environment that was just like horrible in my mind. But you know what? The Lord healed my family. He healed my family. Because he had to take me away and then bring me back totally different. Now I was willing to listen. Heal my family. Same for Joseph. He's in a, a position where he probably was angry. I would have been angry if I was Joseph. Like, unforgivable anger. And then his brothers, I don't know what they were feeling. Their family's dysfunctional. Like if you read it at the end of this chapter 42, they come back to the dad and they say, Hey, this guy, Joseph, who they haven't realized their brother, he doesn't believe that we're just Hebrews. He thinks we're spies. And the dad's like, okay. And they go, so we told them that we have a little brother, and they told us, if you don't bring him back to Egypt, we're going to keep Simeon, their other brother, they held hostage forever, and probably kill him or whatever they want to do to him. And the dad's looking at them like, are you stupid? Like, forgive my language. But he goes, I've lost Joseph, whom they think is probably dead, but he's alive. He's actually right here doing all this crazy stuff that they're dealing with. Now Simeon? And you guys told him about my favorite Benjamin? Are you out of your minds? The dad's about to have a stroke. They're like, oh gosh. No kidding. And that right there, if you just look at that picture, it's dysfunctional. Dad has favorites, number one. 
Dad does not have good sight, like, in terms of how to see his children. Their families are starving. Their dad has grandkids now, and he's so caught up and in love and hurt still by Joseph being gone that he's obsessed with Benjamin. He doesn't even see his grandkids. That's dysfunctional. Grandparents are supposed to be like next generation grandkids. He's obsessed with Benjamin. So Joseph is put in a position by God. It's not exactly in the best circumstance to heal all of this. If he would have never gone on this journey, I don't know if that would have been healed. He's in a position now in this chapter to do that. That's crazy. So I bring that up because how are your dreams going to affect your family? I mean, let's, it's all good, right? Like, my music dream, I've been dreaming of being a musician since I was eight, y'all. I went through a Britney Spears phase. I'm going to be just like her, but black. I'm going <laughs> to, you know, I love Beyonce. I love all these people. And then, you know, the Lord got a hold of my heart at 18, said, lay it down on the altar. I did. I was horrified. Brought me back. I was still, had a lot of work to do. In my mind, my dream was only for me. And for the unsaved, I got really obsessed with that. And my family, I was like, Lord, help them, but I am not dealing with that. How is your dream going to affect your family? It's a good question, because it will. My dreams have absolutely changed my family. Not only my dreams, but they're a piece to the puzzle. Last point, guys. I have a question for you. This is really the big kicker. What is to come after you're formed in the waiting and God releases his grace on your life? In that situation, on that dream. What is truly to come? We can get so obsessed, focused, determined, clenched like a dog on a a stake, you know? We won't let go of how it's supposed to be. But we're not even thinking about why it's supposed to be. What is that dream? We all have it. I mean, I could go around the room and you could give me one to probably five, six, seven dreams that have been on your heart. And like, I'm a firm believer that the Lord can take a dream away and give a new dream. So if you've been under the headship, like Dalton was talking about last Sunday, of the Lord listening to his spirit, trying to be led, reading the Bible, and you still have a dream that you had when you were five and now you're 28, I'm pretty sure it's from the Lord. We could stop guessing on that. I know, I was, I was there. That's why I could tell you all so plainly. I'd be like, well, Lord, is music from you? The Lord is like, my dear child, you've been in 60 worship services. You've recommitted your life 25 times. Like, I would have taken it if I didn't want you to do it. I would have gladly taken it. And he has taken some dreams. And he's given better ones. So, what's to come after you're formed in the waiting and God releases his grace on your life? Have you asked God? That's really what we're getting at here. Joseph, as a dreamer, I'm pretty sure he considered many questions in prison. He had the time. What's the point of all this? Is this really going to happen? Do you even care? I think sometimes we think about 
and hope you can come up when you're ready. Um, we think so hard about the circumstance. I think sometimes God wants to bring you to a, a rock bottom place where you ask those questions. And you come to, one of my mentors once said, he said, the best place for you to be is where the only option is for God to come through. And some of us haven't been there. So we really don't think highly of the things of God. We don't. Because so far, all we've needed is ourselves. But there's a dream bigger in your heart. You know it. Some of us, it keeps you up at night. You're not satisfied with life because the dream is really bigger than you can produce on your own. It's, it's actually made to be that way. Joseph was in a really horrible situation with a dream that only the Lord could manifest. I mean, he could be molded, but he needed the breath, the favor, the grace of God to be that governor, to be fulfilled. Some of us are in a low place, but yet, still not asking questions. Kind of like Jonah and the well, right? Jonah got eaten by a well, not because the Lord was like, I just want to eat you. Like, that's weird. Sounded really weird. But the Lord wanted him to ask questions that would change Jonah's heart. Joseph was in jail. I bet you a part of that plan for the Lord was so that he would ask questions. Questions allow us to get answers. And some of us are still unformed, not in a position to receive the grace we need because we have not gotten our answers. Because here's what, answers form you. They give you identity. They give you clarity. I always thought I was going to be a musician and more of a performer. And that could come one day, who knows. I will not be wearing midriff tops on stage though. I will try to keep it, you know. PG, amen? Um, that, not that kind of performer, because that's like really popular right now. But the Lord started speaking to me in desperate times. Desperate times where I felt like, man, this is not happening. I need help. I am really in a bad place. This can't be it. And then you start crying out in desperation saying, are you even real? Do you care about me? What's the point of this? Do you want my family to ever be healed? Do you want me to ever be healed? And then when you let the Lord speak back, he starts speaking things into you. The Lord told me, I am a prophetic messenger. He said, Gabby, whenever you go into a room, you shift the atmosphere. Also say things like, you're going to heal nations. Things I can't do on my own. You're going to be the mother of many nations. The Lord would tell me that. And I'd be like, oh God, what is that? Like when you first get it, you're like, I don't know what that means. And then legitimately, I started doing YouTube and social media ministry because it really can be ministry. And I have like 152 countries listening to my music. I am not the Black Britney Spears. That did not need to happen. The Lord did it his way. But if I would have never gotten answers, I'd probably still be searching for some kind of like way to build my own dreams. And I just want to throw the ball back to you guys this morning. When is the last time you heard from the Lord 
about what you're called to do, about who you are, about how he sees you, the identity, the footprint, the power he has for you. Because let me tell you, I'm pretty sure you're probably playing too small. It is too small. It is too small. You're playing too small. The way you see yourself is too small. Thanks for listening to the Glory Podcast. For more information about this message or Glory Church, please visit glorychurchkc.com.